Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with a struggle. I'm Sean Lee. I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we navigate life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset. We first off talk about the new addition to my family. This is Sean. Sean's family, I have a new daughter, and what life has been and will be like <laughs> as a parent again. And then we talk a little bit about James and how he's prioritizing his life around his new job. And lastly, we talk about being present and how to be less polarizing. So enjoy the episode. Everyone, welcome to episode 37. And this is a really special episode because got some really big news. Yeah, we, which we announced last week. <laughs> yeah, but it actually happened this past week, so. You're right. Yeah. It actually happened. Yeah, we, um, we had a baby. Mink and I, not James and I. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a baby girl. She was born on Friday, August 5th, two days ago as of this recording on Sunday, our new Sunday recording schedules. And she was, you know, everything was fine. Baby and mama are fine. She was born six pounds, 10 ounces. So very healthy, very normal. Couldn't ask for a better, I guess, process. Not that I had to give birth or anything. But, but, you know, one thing I realized was how much mother nature makes you forget. This is our second baby. So this is not my first rodeo, but it's crazy how much mother nature makes you forget because you're so sleep deprived the first three to six months, especially the first month to three months. You're so sleep deprived that you just don't remember anything. <laughs> like you don't remember how painful it was. And then as we were having the baby, I was like, oh yeah, like I remember this now. Where first off, like the whole birthing process, you're just there getting sleep in like 15 to 30 minute increments. There's no like long period of sleep at all. And then that begins everything because then once the baby comes out, you're definitely not getting any kind of long-term quality sleep. Like there's no more concept of six or eight hours of sleep anymore. It just, <laughs> the baby needs to get fed every two to three hours and somebody has to wake up and I want Mink to recover. So I'm going to wake up and, and feed her. Yeah. That then goes into your further sleep deprivation or just like, you're not going to get quality sleep for the next three months. Cause if I remember correctly, it's until month four or five where she actually starts to sleep through the night a little bit more, like in longer spurts where she doesn't wake up every two to three hours crying because she wants to get fed. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you a funny thing. Like I came home after being with a baby for like two days, what felt like two months because again, you're not sleeping. So. <laughs> and I came home and I like picked up Miles and like hugged him and stuff. And I was like playing with him, changing his diaper. And he seems like a fucking giant. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm changing like an adult diaper, you know, like he seems like a freaking giant. And this baby, by the way, her name's Mila, Miles and Mila. She is like tiny. She's like the size of your forearm. It's pretty crazy. Well, congratulations. Thank you. That's huge. Yeah. And you're sticking with a very similar theme on the, the baby names, Miles. Yeah. Just sticking with the M's, you know, Mink, Miles, Mila. Yeah like that. There's, this is not the reason if she hears it someday. It's, I do have a license plate that has our initials 
It's like Miles, MWL, Miles Initials with Mink's last, you know, last name is his middle initial. And then um, Mink, Momotana, MW, and then my initial SL. So MWSL. Oh. That's the license plate, the custom plate that I have. And now I don't have to change it. Now it works for both kids. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just works. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, that's the big news. And that's the latest struggle. Just trying to get some sleep. This recording happened to be at a great time because I, Mink let me sleep from like nine to three yesterday. So I woke up and did 3 a.m. feeding and 6 a.m. feeding. And then she woke up early at 9.50 feeding. And then now we're doing this. Yeah. Thanks for finding the time. I offered Sean the week off. It's like, hey, do you just want to skip this week? Because, you know, having a new kid might change your your day-to-day a little bit. Just a little bit. So Just a little bit. Yeah. Maybe it will also be a good thing to record because when you look back, you can be like, oh, this is what happened during the three to six months of sleep deprivation. Like, I, I don't remember talking about this. Yeah, exactly. Let it be known <laughs> on record. Yeah. I was actually thinking the exact same thing when you offered. I was like, well, I just put the baby down and, and I did sleep from like 7 to 8.30. So I'm, I feel okay. But we're also getting a lot of help. I do have to caveat that and thank everybody in this house. You know, Mink's a trooper. She, even though she doesn't have to feed, she still has to wake up to like pump every two to three hours. But my parents came in on Friday, so they're here. Mink's parents live with us. My brother's here. We have like 11 people in this freaking house. Wait, 11? No, nine. We have nine people in this house, plus two cats. You're counting the cats. Yeah. Too bad they don't do anything. No, plus two cats. That's 11. They actually feel like additional children. We came back home after two days and they're just like meowing at us. Like, we missed you. We missed you. Now pet us. Yeah. And feed us. <laughs> do something. Brush us. Play with us. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, they're just like, man, we're just like, oh my gosh, we have four kids. Yeah. That's nuts. Well, it takes a village to raise a family is what I keep hearing. So you've got a village in your house so that works out. Yeah. You know, for any listeners who've been keeping up with us on Radical Acceptance, I did um, finally get around to highlighting and bookmarking the parts that I bookmarked in the Audible version so that we can easily reference them for this. Before we talk about any of that, how's your week, James? Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, it's been good. I'm just improving. Well, trying to improve on cold calling. So for any new listeners, I started a sales job a few weeks ago. And last week was my fourth week on the job and the end of my third week actually making phone calls. And it reminded me actually of um, during the interview, one of the interviewees, the, like the head manager of the California sales team told me that what I'm going to experience is is that I will hit peaks, I will hit the highs, and sometimes I won't even know how I got there. And the difficulty is going to be when you're in the lows, you just have to find your way out of there and just take it one day at a time and to be able to crawl out. And, you know, I got really lucky the first couple of weeks, I did pretty well. And last week was really tough. Last week, I made a ton of calls. I think I made like 250 plus phone calls in a week, but I did pretty poorly on the overall metric of being able to get them scheduled to actually talk to someone to discuss some of the programs. And yeah, it's just hard. And it, but it reminded me of what the manager told me. He's like, just, just know that there will be valleys and your job is to improve and learn through them. It's all right, because I'm, I'm ready for this week. 
make slight changes in my approach, what I say, slowly getting a little bit more confident in the way that I speak on the phones as I'm learning more about the industry and becoming more comfortable making cold calls. Which, by the way, it's still tough. I don't know if it ever gets easier. Maybe that's one way to look at it is some aspects of life don't get easier. It's still difficult. Well, that's a really interesting thought. And I say that because what does easy mean? How do you even define it? How do you define easy? Can you think of some examples in your life where like something got easier? Okay, for example, golf. Yeah, it's never gotten easier. Yeah, it never gets easier. But there are some parts of the game where it's like, okay, this is like an easier shot. Like I can do this. You're right. It's still not any easier, but I guess maybe easy is not the right word. Maybe it's more comfortable. I want to be, become more comfortable doing this job and I'm not comfortable yet. That's perfect. That's exactly what I wanted to, to push on because I, when you said the word easy, it just made me question like, what does easier mean? Right? If it's ill-defined, then it's we're using the wrong words potentially. Then it's like, we'll never feel like we're getting there. Yeah. For me, like what easier is for you, the word comfort for me, the first word that came to mind is familiarity. Like I get more familiar with something where it just becomes routine or becomes second nature. And I do think skills or things to become and grow become second nature. And that's definitely attainable. Yeah. Just with repeated practice. Maybe that's even with raising a kid. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, the second time around, going back to the kid conversation, one thing I didn't share with our listeners is that I was actually more nervous this time around. Hmm. So this is an interesting thing. Even though I'm more familiar with the process, I was more nervous. I was more anxious because I kind of knew what to expect. Mm -hmm. This is actually an interesting thought that seems a little paradoxical to what we we're just talking about, how things can get more familiar but also more familiarity can bring on more anxiety. And this is, I knew what to expect. The first time around, you have no fucking clue. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know what's gonna happen. I have no idea what's gonna happen. Like, what's next, what's next, what's next? Like, you're just constantly like learning new things, right? Even with the baby, like there's no idea what, like how to raise, how to feed this baby even. But I had a lot of anxiety because I was like, I know what's, what could happen, what's going to happen. So then your mind is filled with what could go wrong. Like mink could get sick, something could happen to the baby, like a million things could go wrong because I knew more. Is this because you just know, for example, mink, she's a doctor, so she knows and she's a pediatrician, right? Yeah. Pediatric hospitalist. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're talking about how because she knows more, there's sometimes more fear. Oh, yeah. When something starts to happen, it's like, oh, well, this could lead to X, Y, and Z. And if you don't know, then you're right. You don't know what to expect. So you're just like, I don't know. I don't know if it could be that bad or, or, you know, maybe it's just nothing. Classic ignorance is bliss. Like literally ignorance is bliss in these situations. But I think that was an important lesson that I realized was to at least temper this anxiety and this fear because a lot of it's unfounded, right? Everything turned out fine. And, you know, we're very fortunate and privileged to live in a country where we have amazing medical services. Sure, people have their opinions about how costly it is, but it's still fucking amazing. Like Mink had this like very, my opinion, like rather benign like condition where it was like, it's just starting to bleed out basically after the baby came out. And we we're just joking about it afterwards. Like she was like, you know what? hundred years ago, I could have died. Yeah. <laughs> but 
the OB who delivered brought in some specialists and they boom, boom, boom. They like, we, I, we barely even, like, I barely even noticed it. I didn't even understand what was happening. They knew what to do. They knew what to do. Yeah. But basically she was bleeding out, which shouldn't have happened or be happening. Then I didn't know. <laughs> so shit like that, you just feel really, really privileged and lucky. But going back to the conversation, just being present, it was just a good reminder when she came out to just be present because that's what kids, that's all kids know. They only know the present, right? Up until a certain age, we talked about this, I think, up until I think four or five, like kids literally have no sense of time. They only know about the present. When you drop them off in the morning, they're not like, oh my God, I have to wait six hours until you come back to pick me up. Right? There's none of that. There's just like, okay, I'm just focused on the moment. And then the next thing they know, it's like, you're there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you pick them up, you know? Which is an amazing insight into how we lose our sense of presence as we get older, right? And through all the Buddhist teachings that we read about, it's, you can really only live in the present. Yeah, there's only now. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a hard concept to grasp. It is. But I think kids are the best teachers in that, in that way. I literally relearned that when either my friend or I read somewhere was like, Miles has no sense of time. I was like, what? What do you mean he has no sense of time? And they're like, yeah, they might be sad and upset when you leave them, but they're not like dreading the next six hours. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I just think it's an, ama it's an amazing skill that we should relearn. Yeah, if only we could all live like that and make it so easy to avoid, not necessarily avoid, but stop mulling in the past or worrying about the future and just doing what we can right now. Mm-hmm. We were talking about something around this last week after we actually ended our recording and you wanted to talk about it. Oh, right. Around prioritization of the different aspects of now that you're working again, how do you prioritize your work, your sales job, your writings, being adventurous, podcasting, relationships? Yeah. There's just so much to really consider. I heard this a long time ago about how you have to learn to say no to a lot more things and everything you agree to do should be a yes. Well, that's good. I agreed to do this podcast this morning. Right. It was a yes. It was a yes. <laughs> and it should be like a, Mark Manson says this, you should only agree to things if it's a hell yes, if you're really anxious to do it. And it's actually funny that you bring it up because what I'm writing about this morning is how to prioritize, <laughs> but it's not based on what you just say yes to. Because for me, like last week, I think I was telling you, like, there's so many things I want to be doing. Yeah. Like, I want to write. I want to podcast. I want to learn how to play piano. I want to learn the energy industry. I want to play basketball, play golf. I want to pick up more sports, get into jujitsu again. Finish radical acceptance. Yeah. I'm, I'm like still so far behind. I'm only halfway through the book. And read a sales book. Yeah. Just sharing with everybody <laughs> what James said. The priority is... And potentially... Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. <laughs> and potentially get into a relationship. Right. And continue this podcast. <laughs> yep, yep. So there's all these things that are competing priorities. And one way I began to think about how to really prioritize, because everything seems like it's a yes. There's very few. I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. And everything feels like, yes, I really want to do this. I really want to golf. I really want to play basketball. I really want to write. I really want to, you know, but maybe it's more about what do you really want to improve on? 
And what are you willing to go through the struggles of improvement to be better at something and prioritize based on that? And so for me, one of the big things that I'm kicking out, and maybe this is kind of small, but I spent a lot of time on fantasy sports. I've been playing it for baseball, football, like every sport. I've tried every sport, even golf. (laughs) Golf's not fun, but I don't know. It's been like 20 years, but recently it's, it hasn't been as exciting. It just hasn't been fun or like enjoyable. And I think a big reason why is because I have very little control over improvement or I've hit a plateau of how much I can improve or I'm not willing to put in more time to improve anymore. Right. And it just made me realize like, oh, this is probably something I can cut out. And so this morning someone asked me and even like over the weekend or like, hey, do you want to join the fantasy football league? And I said, no, I don't because I'm not going to improve on it. I don't really want to. I was just like, oh, like I can say no to this now. Yeah, that's amazing. It feels great. The next year, I probably, the big thing is baseball. Baseball season is so long and I'm in a daily league. So I change my lineup every day. Wow. Holy shit. They got to follow the games and right. When I was really into it. Yeah. I followed the games, like had all the score updates on my phone and just reading baseball stuff day in, day out. But I haven't really been <laughs> doing it very much. And, and that's probably why my team sucks. Because I don't spend as much time and I don't want, I'm not willing to improve anymore because honestly, like fantasy sports and sports in general, like gambling, all that is, there's only so much you can do. And a lot of it is luck. You're not the QB. You're not the player itself. There's nothing you can really do. Whereas other things that you want to improve on writing or sales or being a father, there's things that you, you actually have control over that. And so I just realized like fantasy sports, I think you're gone. Like, see you later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. I think I shared before with you, but like, I don't really watch sports. I only watch it as a social thing. I think that's what sports is great for is actually a very social, like get together friends and enjoy something. But I can't stand that. I like, I have no control in the outcome of this game. Like I have no, not control, I have no influence. No matter how hard I yell at the screen or how fast my heart pounds, I could get a heart attack and wouldn't change the outcome. <laughs> like, right, right. And that's why I was like, I think if there's anything that I would choose to do for entertainment, sometimes it's, it's video games because I'm in control of, I don't know, the character or whatever the, you know, the game is. But no, that's amazing. That's amazing at that insight. And it doesn't mean that you can't do it. I think the thing that sounds like we realize is that it shouldn't be such a high priority in your life. Mm -hmm. Because the outcome of losing or winning, it feels equally painful. It's really weird. Share a little bit more about that. Okay, so what I mean by that is, I remember a year where my team was in first place the entire season, or most of the season, and I made it to the championship, and I lost. And the entire season, it was so stressful. Like every matchup was still really stressful trying to win. And all the effort that I put in that year, still I ended up only getting second place. And then the next year, all the effort, the same amount of effort that I put in felt equally painful, but I came in last place. So the outcomes, whether I did really, really well or really, really poorly, yeah, 
the outcome didn't matter. Like the entire time was just still this stress and really unenjoyable moments, winning or losing. It felt equally the same. And then just like fast forward through a few years of going through that. And and I just kind of realized like right now my team is pretty much last place. I'm not going to win. And it feels equally shitty as winning. Wait, wait, wait. When you did win, was there any reason why you felt bad if you did win? Because I lost the championship game. No, 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 no. Let's say before the championship game, like week to week, if you're winning like every single week, did you ever feel bad about that? Yeah, because every every time it was still just really stressful because you have to win. Oh, I see. I see. And like the result, whether it was a win or a loss, it didn't like you think like winning was going to feel so good, but it just didn't. And I think the reason why it doesn't feel any different is because you have no control over that outcome. You don't really do much. You just pick players. That's interesting. Right. But if it was me, yeah. If I was like a QB or if I was the actual player and I'm <laughs> winning every week, then every win feels awesome because you were able to, you put in that effort and you did it. Yeah. You physically did it. You caught that ball. Yeah. And maybe the loss feels even more painful, but you have control over that. Yeah, you can learn from that experience and be like, all right, next time, like, all right, don't have slippery fingers. Yeah, or something like you can improve. Don't overinflate the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're rooting for sports in general, like gambling and like sports betting, fantasy sports. Like, I don't see improvement. So, and the only reason I would continue playing as I thought about this is if I found something that I can actually improve on, which was for me, maybe. I start to go into machine learning and using machine learning as a way to like build my team. Oh, right. And code. And then like what I improve there is my ability to code and find better results, which means that I actually feel like I have some, I'm doing like something physically and learning something and improving in that manner to just to feel better about it. It's like, even if I lose, it's like, okay, I lost, but I learned X, Y, and Z this week. And this player actually did well. What happened there? And you could like kind of dig into your code, right? So that that would be the only reason I would do that. But then it goes back to, do I have time to actually code? And then I thought, if I spend an hour or two hours every day reading about baseball or reading about football, if I just took that time and just coded for two hours, would that feel different? Would I be able to improve? Do I really want to do that? And so that's something that, I have to think about for the next few months and you're like, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to improve on programming? It could be super interesting. It mixes education, learning a different skill and also baseball, which I really do enjoy. And now I have some actual way to be able to improve. And I think that's how you have to prioritize intentions. I have to ask you, coming from Detroit, both of us, do you have a team? (laughs) Do you have a baseball team? Yeah. Oh, they're not good, but I (laughs) love the Tigers. You are a Tigers fan. I am. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Just wanted to see. It's been painful. Yeah. Dude, Detroit sports in general has been really rough over the past few years. Yeah. Like Pistons aren't great. Like even the Red Wings have been kind of struggling. The Lions, can't even talk about the Lions, man. Although we did win a Super Bowl. Hey, we... We won last year. We won a Super Bowl. Yeah, we won last year. Yeah. 
Matt Stafford got the Super Bowl win for us. So thanks, <laughs> Matt Stafford. If you ever listen to this, we love you. <laughs> you are the heart of our team. You're the heart of Detroit. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. I only ask because, you know, now you're in LA and, you know, we only have like 16 teams for every sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I root for no LA teams. I'm sorry, any LA fans. Hey, I, I'm on board with you. Totally. It's almost like we're transplants here and they already have enough fans. That's how I feel about it. Like literally like Lakers has like hundreds of millions of fans worldwide that don't fucking live in LA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they don't need more. Anyways, that's really interesting. I, I was asking about the winning question because for me, what I realized when I was at least watching sports with friends back in the day, I didn't enjoy the win either because if I was rooting against, I mean, for my team against somebody else's team, right? Like Mink. Mink's from Chicago. She went to Purdue with a bunch of our friends. If it wasn't like Michigan State against Purdue, which Michigan State always won, but (laughs) or like the Cubs against the Tigers, which the Cubs beat the Tigers, or the Bears against the Lions, any of those freaking games, or the Blackhawks against the Red Wings, which Chicago dominates. Those games, yeah. (laughs) Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. That's not true. Red Wings, that rivalry actually is... Used to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe most recently. Yeah. But, I mean, Pistons Bulls actually are pretty equal now, too. (laughs) Bulls have been pretty terrible. But regardless, anyways, the point is, like, I just never felt good if we did win. If we lost, I was like, eh, whatever, we suck. (laughs) (laughs) But if I won, I was like, damn it. Now, like, my wife and her entire friends and family are all, like, unpleasant, you know, because... They're all like huge Chicago fans, right? Like literally all her friends here and her dad and her brother. It's not like I can rub in their face, but like, ha ha, like, yeah, the Tigers beat you. <laughs> it's like, that's the worst insult, you know, or like the Lions beat the Bears. <laughs> that's pretty bad. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I never felt good about winning either. Yeah. Especially in sports. I think it did feel good at times. Like when you win, it's just like super exciting. But over time, that like feeling of winning just kind of diminished for me. I maybe other sports fans still feel really great and that's awesome. I hope you can hang on to that. But it seems like for Sean and I, like sports is doesn't bring the joy and excitement as much as it used to. And and Sean, I know you're you've felt like this for a long time, but for me it's been more of a recent thing. Cause I used to be one of those annoying <laughs> annoying Michigan fans. Or I was just angry. I was so angry whenever any sports team lost. I was angry when Michigan State would lose to OSU or just any Big Ten sports team lost to any SEC team. Like I was super angry. It, it would like ruin my day. And especially Michigan's games, it would ruin my entire like I would feel like shit when they lost. And then if they won. That feeling was very short when I think about it. Yeah. It's like I was excited for the win, but it kind of goes away and the the losing just lasts so long. And I really think it's because we have no control over the outcome. It does not matter. Nope. No control. (laughs) And it almost is a waste of your energy and emotions to let yourself get that impacted by a result that really honestly means nothing to you. Yeah, really. Like in the grand scheme of things, unless you like work for the team. Yeah, it like starts over every single year all over again. The same thing. That's why I think like anything in life taken to the extreme, unless you actually go do something about it, it can become a waste of energy. Yeah. And attention in many ways. 
like you said, if you took all your skills and became like a manager and, and joined a team or something, like fucking fantastic. Right. Or wrote code, right? Yeah. You know, wrote a program, machine learning that could build the best winning fantasy sports team. But short of that, we've like taken it too far, basically, in some ways. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think a lot of it is also you're trying to attach meaning to life. And if you can detach the feeling of, you can be excited, but as long as you don't take that loss, like I took it too far. Like you just said, it was, I took it very personal almost. I was like offended that a Michigan team lost. (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of people that I play these fantasy sports with, they know it's just fun. Win or lose, it's not a big deal. Like my brother, he's great at that. He's just like, dude, it's just a game. So like when I would flip out on Sundays, when I would like lose in fantasy football and just be like so angry, he'd be like, dude, it's a game. It's like, whatever. And some people are really good at, at detaching that and not letting it take over. But I, I just am not good at it, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I think I have to understand where it's like, all right, I either have to learn how to detach my feelings and, and not soak so much energy into it, or I just have to let it go. Yeah. I think I'm on the verge of just letting it go. <laughs> That's fantastic. And I think part of it too is like finding something else to attach to, or you're centering yourself too, finding yourself, attaching to yourself, right? Yeah. That's really what you're saying is like, you're finding yourself, like I'm attaching to myself and focusing on me, things that are within my control. Cause that, that is a hard thing. It's, and it goes beyond sports that I see with a lot of friends, some friends that I, I know really attached to news. Yeah. Politics politics and beyond even politics there's like there's daily news there's like world news there's a tragedy somewhere every fucking minute every second and they get really affected by news and it's the same thing to me and then i thought about so like news is important like keeping abreast of things is like it's important i don't read the news but when something important happens someone will tell me that's kind of my philosophy and i read that from tim ferris i think if it's important enough somebody will freaking tell you or like talk to you about it that day be like have you heard you know and I'll go check it out. And then I, I do stay informed about things that are important about certain topics, like let's say COVID or like elections or voting, things like that. But where I think staying informed gets taken too far is when you let it control you. You let it affect your day and ruin your day. And there's a word for it nowadays called doom scrolling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Or you literally just doom scroll. And I have to literally catch myself when I'm doing that, whether it's on Twitter which is like the only social media platform that I even rarely go on. Or when I go to CNN or Reddit, or I sometimes like to peruse the right-wing stuff like Newsmax or Fox News. Not even Fox News, just mostly Newsmax. People are like, why the hell would you read that? I'm like, I want to see like what they're reading. Like I want to understand what they're consuming. So if I were to have a conversation with the far right, I could be like, okay, I read that same thing too. And this is how I interpret it. But my point is, that's my way of staying informed, but not doom scrolling. But if I do catch myself doom scrolling where I'm feeling like this is like affecting my mood, that's when I'm just like, you got to stop, Sean. Like there's so many things to be angry and upset about. But are you personally, Sean, going to do something about it today? If you're not, stop doom scrolling. Like what's the point of getting all worked up if you're not going to do anything about it? Yeah, I totally agree. I was scrolling Reddit the other day and I totally felt this. And I was like, I got I to close this app. I'm not saying don't have these emotions, but if you consistently find that these raw emotions or these things, these triggers, right, force you or pushes you to go take action, fucking be all for it, right? If it pushes you to go like 
join a rally or like go start a rally or start a support group or something. Like I'm all behind you and supporting you. But if you're just sitting there, just consuming this and just mulling about it and fucking being mad, sad, depressed, whatever it is, and do nothing about it, stop. Save your attention for something that you can do something about. Right. Something more meaningful. Maybe you can be more, way more constructive in some different format. And I had to teach myself this because I realized we all have our own limitations. We all have our own interests. There's certain issues that like, I care about, but I'm not going to go stop everything I'm doing and go like fight for this thing right now. But I'm going to support you. I'm going to donate. I'm going to do a bunch of things to support you, but I'm not going to go out physically myself and go like do something about this. And I don't feel shameful about that. And I think there's certain things that I am equipped to do to help change the world and make the world a better place. I think we all have our own skill sets and roles. And the key thing is recognizing that. Yeah, you're picking your battles. Exactly. And focusing your energy on what you can do, how you can make the world a better place. Yeah, you have to find what works for you. For me personally, to share with people, it's like it's helping create platforms like this, podcasts for people, for organizations, businesses, universities, and and creating a platform for people to have a voice. For you, it's to help influence corporations to be more ESG-minded, environmentally-minded. Yeah, help the grid. Help the grid. Help avoid blackouts. It's freaking 104 degrees here today. It's insane. That's insane, yeah. I heard Michigan is super hot right now, too. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways. There's a lot happening in the world right now. It feels overwhelming. It is. But I wonder if it's only because of news or social media that we kind of are aware of this now. It's like just the same cycle over and over again. The world has always been, there's always been problems. I'm not trying to be pessimistic here and say like the world's a shitty place, but it's like there's always problems. There's been worse things going on in this world, like the world wars. Yeah. Like people are literally just killing each other for no fucking reason, just because they belong to one geography or another. And it's like, are you just going to absorb and sulk about all the wrongdoings in the world because it's endless? Or are you going to focus on what you can do? Because I'm not even saying this from like a right or wrong perspective. I'm not trying to sit on a moral high horse here. I'm just saying like for your own fucking well-being, for my well-being, actually, let me start with me. Like for my own well-being, this is what I realized. Like it's not healthy for me (laughs) to mull over things that I can't control, tying this all back to sports. Instead, trying to focus on what I can control. And the tipping point for me was Fukushima. I remember very distinctly. I, I watched like CNN on repeat for 10 hours straight. Just the same fucking videos. Just waiting for a new video to pop up, you know? But I didn't do shit about it. I didn't want to do shit about it. I didn't want to fly over there and like help out with any efforts. I didn't even donate, to be honest. Not because I don't care. It was like, I didn't care enough, you know? Yeah. But I felt so like down and then like had dreams and nightmares about this kind of shit. Wow. I had unfounded fears about like earthquakes and tsunamis on the West Coast of California, which like were pretty low risk for tsunamis unless half the state like collapses into the ocean, which could happen. But it's not the point. The point is (laughs) chances here are like pretty low of like any kind of shit like that. Just the earthquake. Just the earthquakes. Yeah. And wildfires. Dude, I even looked, I went as deep to see like, like the exact location where I live, like what's the sea level? Like if a tsunami did come, like would I be underwater? Anyway, dumb shit, just dumb fears, unfounded fears. I think looking into a little bit is fine. 
I think it's when it impacts your day. You're right. Longer than it should. Just not being able to let it go or being upset. I feel like that's where you really can't do much. And I'm not very political, but I know there's been a lot of angst around everything that's happening right now. Just the huge arguments between Democrats and Republicans. And it's just everything just seems so split. Oh, yeah. For me, and maybe some people will not think that this is like the right approach, but I try not to let it bother me too much. Maybe one day it will impact me directly, and maybe then it will spur me to actually act in ways that I feel that I can support one way or the other. But until then, I'm just trying to work on what I can improve on. And right now, the only reach I have is is me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have much else reach. And I think if you're in a position, and maybe that's why like celebrities or more famous people might have more to say about certain politics or or like big news events because they have or are in a position to make an impact. And so maybe that's why they speak way more about it. If I'm ever in a position where I feel that I could feel strongly enough about something one way or the other, then maybe at that time is when you can care about it. I don't think we're saying that we don't care about these things. It's just, Mm -mm, no, we're not in a position to really do as much at the moment or Also, it's just not, and this might feel even wrong, it's just not a priority right now. I was just going to say that. There's just other important things to take care of. I was just going to say that. I think said in a different way, there are other things that we are better suited to focus on. Yeah, that's better. And sometimes what that thing is, is just me. Like I need to improve myself first before I can go do something. And I know that's maybe controversial to say, but this is my own opinion here. I think sometimes people get polarized because they haven't looked inwards first. They haven't tried to like reflect on like their own thing. And so it's just like, then they just try to project onto others. Like this is how things should be or this and that. And and they they go to the ends. I mean, me personally, I've always, I'm very moderate. I listen to both sides. I look at all the things and we need people like us too, right? To can help mediate and connect because I think that's what this world needs more and more. As we know, social media and technology drives people towards extremes, you know, and doubles down on showing them things that they, you know, AI thinks that they like, that we need more human connectors to bring us back to this reality where it's like, we have a lot more in common than, than we have in differences. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It doesn't have to be just one end or the other. I feel like most of what we hear is only from extremes. Actually, I have no idea, but I I believe or speculate that actually most of the country is somewhere kind of in the middle. Oh, yeah. And they're forced to choose a side one way or the other. I agree. I think the same. Yeah. Like there are some things that the left wing, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And then the right wing, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. So where do you sit? Like, do you have to choose one or the other? I, I don't know. I'm no politician. I hate politics. The challenge is, I think, the media even drives towards that. And I was listening to like how we're entering like, not a new era, but history is always on repeat, right? We're entering an era where like people are really consuming different mediums. Like I was listening to NPR yesterday and they saying that like the conservatives, like the conservative politicians, they don't even take media interviews with mainstream media anymore. They just ignore it altogether. Like they don't even allow them to attend their rallies and their events. They only accept... Fox News or Newsmax, because they know that like basically most of their audiences are not on those platforms, at least so they think. 
And I think that's, you know, we're driving towards a culture where, in a society where like even our politicians or people like the officials, it's like, you have to take a stance. You have to, there's no moderate, there's no like middle ground. You're either like pro this or pro that. And I'm just like, life, people are complex. Not everything's black and white. It just isn't. Yeah. You're trying to draw a line when the line can be moved. And it depends on where you stand of where that line is. The line's different for everyone. And then that's the thing that's difficult for everyone to understand. I think we're, we're made to feel like we have to take a stance on, on everything or nothing at all. And it's not like that. So yeah. Anyways, tying this all back to... <laughs> Sorry for that tangent, guys. <laughs> yeah. Tying this all back to uh, the birth of my daughter. It's just a constant reminder for everyone to just be present. Be present with your feelings. Be present with your attention. Just be present. Live in the present. And yeah, that's a lot of content for this week. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, uh, thanks for listening. And Sean, congratulations again on the addition to the new family member. Can't wait to meet her. Everyone have a great week. See you guys next week. Take care.